You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing and higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. My name is Troy Singer, and I'm here with my friend and partner in crime most weeks, Bart Kaler. Each week, we do our best to bring higher ed marketers that will be enlightening, informative, and raise the bar for all of our listeners. And today, we have, again, found someone that we were very impressed with, and we think you will be impressed with, too. Her name is Sarah McMaster. Formerly, she is the Executive Director of Marketing and Enrollment Management at Champlain College Online. But informally, she is someone that we felt we could do a digital dive with about the evolution of online education and the ethics of AI marketing. And sometimes I get to sit back and have Bart have a conversation with someone that he is really aligned with and go back and forth, and I can't get a word in edgewise. This is one of those conversations, but it's one that everyone will be informed from and enjoy. Yeah, it was a really fun conversation with Sarah. And I think that really, you know, a lot of times when we have people come on the podcast, we really talk about their passions. And she identified that just online marketing and online marketing for online education is a passion of hers. And then somehow we got into some of the other things with, you know, digital ethics and AI. And so it's really kind of a, a, a tale of two two episodes in, in a way that's kind of kind of combined together, but it was so fascinating. I think she just really had so many really practical, tactical tips, not only as it related to marketing for online education, but also just uh, a lot of the conversation about AI. And I do feel like I had a little bit of a mind meld with, with Sarah. We, we even, I think Troy recognized that she even uses some of the same language that I do around friction and around some of the other things. And so I think it's going to be a fun episode. Here's our wonderful conversation with Sarah McMaster. Sarah, welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer podcast. We are so glad that you agreed to be our guest. And before we introduce you formally, would love for you to give us your assignment, which that was to come here with a question that you deemed either interesting or fun that you feel our listeners would love to hear. Well, thanks, Troy. I do have a fun fact or something that's been keeping my attention. So I've been watching the uh, Federal Trade Commission and uh, Amazon case, the antitrust case that's been going on right now, and will certainly be playing out for quite a while. Um, But the interesting thing for me is, you know, watching the federal government try to figure out how to classify and categorize Amazon in terms of its competitors and in terms of its place in different markets, which has been very interesting. And so my fun fact or the thing that I'm finding interesting there is it's really showing me the this um, disconnect, this lag between uh, our ability to legislate and regulate and big technology. So that's been something that's been keeping my attention lately. Well, thank you. I found that very enlightening. 
Again, this is Sarah McMaster. She is the Executive Director of Marketing and Enrollment Management at Champlain College Online. And if you would, Sarah, tell everyone a little bit more about Champlain College. Sure. So Champlain College is a small private college located in beautiful Burlington, Vermont, and we have a traditional on-ground experience, and we also have Champlain College Online, which is where my role is. So I oversee marketing, enrollment management, and admissions operations for Champlain College Online. I really think of my job as a (laughs) remover of friction. My job is to remove friction from the prospect experience all the way from their first contact with us through starting in classes. So in addition to my day job where I get to spend all of my time with my team and with everybody at CCO, as we call it, Champlain College Online, I also teach uh, for a couple institutions here in Massachusetts where I live and teach classes in a broad range, uh, marketing communications. The classes that I'm teaching and enjoying the most recently are uh, around digital ethics and digital literacy. And that's me in a nutshell. Thank you. And one of the questions that Bart and I had for you in our initial conversation was, what is something that you are very passionate about that we may be able to create a topic on the podcast around? And you emphatically, with energy, said accessibility. And from there, we want to talk about online marketing accessibility and would love for you to share with us why you are passionate about that and what you mean when you say accessibility. Sure. And thank you for teeing me up. I do love to talk about this topic. (laughs) So what I mean is the mission of access, right? Having everybody have access to higher education. So accessibility can mean one thing in terms of like compliance with the American with Disabilities Act. But what I'm talking about and what we'll speak on is accessibility in terms of access to education. So I just want to make that clarification for the listeners. I spent the first decade or so of my career in higher education working in Massachusetts in our public colleges. So I was at a community college and one of the state universities here. And it was because of that mission of access, I feel a a deep connection to it. And that is the role of public education is to be accessible to everybody it's for public for the public good and so that was very much my mindset for many 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 years i could never imagine working outside of the public sector um but things evolve i evolve you know the the industry marketing evolves higher education evolves and so i a few years ago left uh the public system and went to work at a private institution uh, southern new hampshire university and because my thinking about access had changed and I stand by the role of, of public education. It's of great uh, integral value to our society, but I had to expand my thinking about access. And that is not a one size fits all solution for everybody. And so now, you know, this is my second institution working in an online education model. And it is something that I think is growing and kind of changing right in front of our eyes. And so I'm very excited to be in that space and to kind of, you know, evolve as a person, evolve as a professional and see that there are other ways to fit. There are other ways that education can be accessible to whoever needs it. That's great. And I I love the fact that I love the way that you just defined that accessibility for education. I mean, if you've listened to the podcast or, you know, regular listeners might know that Troy and I are both first generation college students. And so 
that was a big important part of our lives is is knowing and having the ability to recognize that we could do this we could access the education the post secondary education and so i like the way that you've kind of framed that up and i think that you know you 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 kind of mentioned southern new hampshire and i know that you know when we talk when we talk about online they're kind of one of the the 800 pound gorillas right now and and i'm not necessarily kind of talking i don't want to go in that direction as much as i want to go in the direction of online's changed a lot over the years and the way that online now is is a lot, for a lot of people that is the accessibility lane that they see is that okay i'm a working parent a single single mother i need to figure out how can i get to the next level of my career i need to get i need to get some additional education i can't you know drop out of my work and go back to school how do i do that and i think that that accessibility into online mark online is a way to do that so tell me a little bit about where that's come from and where that is and where it's going because i think that that's that helps us kind of put this accessibility in in some maybe tangible ways as as marketers yeah yeah happy to do that and i will just note that i am also a first generation college student so we've got a lot in common i can see why that would resonate for all of us so yeah i think there's been two real big game changers in the evolution right we were talking about how things are changing in the evolution of of higher of, of online education one was this proof of concept if you will with um the early adopters or the the first people into the market so that it would be the university of phoenix southern new hampshire university and actually champlain college online we started back in 1993 we've been around actually wow. quite a long time yeah we're I was going to say first. that's that's early it, yeah definitely one of the first so i think that was the first game changer of seeing this proof of concept oh this is viable from a business standpoint and it suits the needs of education right so that was like the first milestone or the first game changer and the second game changer something that i'm sure comes up in lots of conversations is the covid-19 right that was another huge game changer for online education not only in higher ed but also for our you know k through 12 and i think those two things right proof of concept this is viable and then push coming to shove with we have no other way to stay open right and those two things really caused what we're seeing now which is this explosion of options if we were having this conversation 5 6 years ago we could name on you know all of our hands the players in the field now it would take us quite a long time to go through that list and talk about you know the big players all of the regional serving institutions that are coming into the um, online space either because they're seeing the need or because it's an institutional seeing the need from the consumer the student standpoint or from a revenue standpoint right there's different levers or different motivators in that but we're seeing that explosion and it's something to you know we're not standing on the sidelines we're participating but i feel like a spectator in a way yeah yeah so tell me a little bit as you kind of look over the the waterfront from 1993 until now how has that the the marketing of online education how's that evolved i mean it's certainly changed and i'm sure that you know it's it's changed from the the early initial when you're doing the proof of concept to as you said i mean I would say the majority of schools now either have or are looking into online delivery options whether that is a modality or whether it is really a strategic direction that they're going. Help me understand a little bit about what that marketing's looked like. Sure. It's an incredibly competitive and crowded space, which is 
kind of fun and kind of the challenge and, you know, what kind of gets me up in the morning to, to do the marketing portions of my job. But I think some of the things that we're experiencing right now are like this teenage awkward phase, right? So it's not proof of concept. It's not COVID-19 anymore. Now we're in this new space where where some institutions have a head start and others are new to this space. And so we're seeing this resettling of the waters that I think will take quite a few years. But some of the things that I think about that I hope my colleagues and competitors are thinking about as well is this presupposition that uh, modality and age go together. I think that's an interesting conversation to have and that different institutions are answering that question for themselves in a couple different ways. I think that marketing to the quote unquote adult student is no longer the dominant paradigm. I think we have to kind of put that on the table and rethink, is that really what we're doing? Is that really what we want our message to be from a brand and a, an offering standpoint? And then specifically looking at it from a marketing standpoint, there are big players and there are small players. And it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of medium-sized players. And so one of the things that I think about is this question of, is it really as simple as, whoever can outspend or whoever has the biggest budget wins from, you know, from the marketing lens. And then from an enrollment standpoint, is it the first person to the first contact that wins? Like those are things that I'm constantly thinking about because if we look from a historical angle, marketing has changed just like higher ed has changed. We had the golden age of marketing where we got to tell people, here's a product and here's its features and you want this product and that worked right? That worked. That doesn't work anymore. And so now we're in this, well, the next phase I think was this with the internet, digital marketing kind of came on the scene. And then it was, you serve an ad, you get a click through, that's a win, that's a success. You get them to your website. And it's this linear process that happens because this is all new and there's this new consumer trust in that process. And again, that has now gone by the wayside. We're post that as well. And now we're in this different consideration, messy middle kind of place where you learn that Champlain College Online exists. And at the end or you know, somewhere in the process, you apply and you become a student and everything between those two points is a mess, right? It's it's a line that you know goes up and down and left and right. And, and from this modality to this, device to this browser to this you know ad and it's not like we can say last attribution first attribution these models are not going to work for us anymore and there's even new pieces going into that in terms of our artificial intelligence and you know all of these things that we can get into but those are some of the the, the questions that i have and the changes that i'm seeing and really it's how do we turn those challenges or those questions that we have into opportunities? How do we change our thinking about students or prospects' behavior? We can no longer say, well, they're going to see our ad. They're going, you know, 10 times, right? We need 10 touches and then this is going to happen and we're going to count it and then we're going to get them in. That's really not the case anymore. Um, we need to think about our students and our prospects in a different way, not only in terms of modality, adult, student, traditional student. I think we need to, you know, think about those differently. And then also the shift in paradigm from this click-through kind of linear uh, digital to consideration. And what does that mean? Um, I don't even really have the answer yet. I'm still kind of 
figuring it out for myself, but I, I feel like we're going there. So it's not about outspending. It's about figuring out how to use the new tools that we have, the amount of data that we have now, the insights that we have to really stand out from a new noise. Mm -hmm. I think that's good. And I, I think you bring up some really good points there. And I, I know that one of the things that, that we have on our idea to talk about is just some some tips and advice on how all that's working and where that's going. But before I do that, I wanted to tease out a little bit of what you said, because I've I've been thinking a lot about it too, because there's a lot of messy middle right now. And there's, you know, all the different things about what online marketing is, online program marketing is. And I've got two things I want to kind of run past you is one, I've been telling a lot of my clients, you know, they get worried about, I work with a lot of small schools. They get worried about the fact that, oh, we're never going to be able to, you know, compete against Phoenix and Southern New Hampshire and some of the other ones that we all know the names of. I think though, that I try to help them understand that, you know what, at the end of the day, your number one competitor is just life. It's the life of the student. How do you react to that? Do you feel like that's accurate? I do. I do think that that's accurate. Um, but I would also like to flip it on its head a little bit. So I agree with you. We are competing with students in terms of the other obligations that they have in their lives. And again, I don't want to pigeonhole uh, adult students or traditional age students. I think that's the case for any student, regardless of their age. But I think rather than saying we're competing with life, that we should flip that on their on our head, on their head, on its head, <laughs> and say, yeah, somebody's head. And say, we have to fit into their life, whatever. And, and how do we actually operationalize that? So is it your transfer credit policy? Is it your prior learning assessment and what that's like? And does a, a prospect understand what that means? Is it credit for other kinds of professional experiences that, you know, if they went to police academy, if they have a, a professional certification, if they served on their town select board for 10 years, like, can we recognize those things that are other important things happening in their life? But more than that, what are our processes internally that support a student who, it, again, much like the, the marketing example earlier, it's not, I start I go all the way through every single term, I finish. That is also not the behavior anymore. So how are we accommodating students and meeting them where they are in terms of our readmit process, our deferment process, our articulations with community colleges? We have to think about what we're doing and meet students where they are as opposed to saying, you have to fit into us. We need to fit into them. Yeah, that's great. And I, I want to speak directly to the marketers listening right now, because I think that Sarah has brought up a, a lot of really good points. And I, I have been in the marketing meetings, and I can see a lot of you just kind of rolling your eyes right now and saying, well, just tell me what I need to say in the marketing and I'll do it. I'm challenging you right now that you need to figure this stuff out so that you can translate what the you know academic department is saying about transfer credits what they're saying about life you know, uh, you know giving credit for life skills and things like that it's your responsibility to understand this deep enough so that you can then turn that into the right kind of messaging that's going to appeal to these prospective students and so that's one of the challenges i see with too many marketers are kind of waiting for the instructions on tell me just what you want me to write in there tell me what you want me to say as opposed to being the people that can actually translate what it is that our school is offering and making that 
you know, making that attractive to the prospective students. So sorry to jump on my soapbox there for a second, but I just, I get really passionate about that because I think sometimes as marketers, we can be a little bit passive when we don't understand something and just regurgitate what has been written for us. And then it sounds too academic and the students don't understand. And so we've, it's our responsibility to take what is really the benefit of the institution and translate it so that the prospective student can. That's what drives me crazy about schools that on their website, they just lead with the cost per credit hour tuition. I'm like, nobody understands, nor do they care. We've got to get it in their language so that they understand, oh, I see, I can afford that. That's like a car payment. I can get that done. Or the parents can look at it and say, oh, I see how that works. That's like traveling soccer. I can do that. So we've got to figure out how to get things moved over. So before I keep going on my rants, tell me a little bit about some of the tips and the advice that you would give without giving away the secrets. But what are, you know, from a marketing standpoint, if you're kind of helping a marketer understand, hey, this is what I need from my seat as the vice president. This is the thing that I would be looking for. What are some of those things that you might advise? I think you've hit on one and that, or two really is, and that is one, that's, it's hard. That's hard work, right? Knowing how to say something really complicated like PLA, prior learning assessment, how to say that in a way that resonates for somebody who's got 18 other things going on and is not in higher ed. But I think for me, it's plain language. That's something that's one of my things is plain language. We have so much jargon and we can't expect students and and prospects to no, they they have some college or no college at all. And so expecting them to know what these terms are is already setting the bar too high and setting them up to, to put a barrier in front of themselves. Oh, this isn't for me. I don't understand these words, these, these concepts, these things. This, mu- this must not be for me. And so plain language, I think if I can give one tip to every marketer out there listening, go back to your team, go back to your website, go back to your view book, whatever it is that you have and read it from a plain language standpoint. Circle every word that you have in there that you have to explain or that needs a glossary or that's jargon or that is higher ed specific and see where you land and then do some have, work. Have your eighth grader read it and yes. see what they think. Yes, if you've got a teenager at home or an eighth grader at home, bring it home. <laughs> that's great, that's good. And, and the other one that you were going to say? The other one is how hard it is to come up with those messages. And, you know, because everybody can say small class size or most people can say small class size or, you know, friendly campus or transfer friendly or whatever those things are, that's noise. Everybody is saying it. So again, go dip into resources that you already have. I hope you're talking to your current students. I hope you're talking to students that you lost. I hope you're talking to alumni. I hope you're talking to everybody and asking them, if we were a person, what would our personality be? If we could say one thing that nobody else could say, what is it? If you're not asking those questions, please, please go do that. That's a really great place to start because from those conversations, you will get the raw ingredients. You won't get the fully fleshed out answer. Aha, you will get the raw ingredients that you need to figure out how you can say all the things that you're doing for your students in easy to understand digestible bits that you can then work into your marketing. That's great. I feel like this is like, you know, you're preaching. This is awesome. This is like a church service or something, but I think this is really good. I feel like I want to say, keep going. This is great. That's because Bart is usually one that's preaching a lot and he's looking over to you like, take it over, Sarah, take it over. 
Sarah, one of the other things that you got very excited about, topics that you were excited about, is the uh, changing, the quickly changing landscape of the new digital and AI world within marketing. So would like to know if you can give an introduction of why this is something that is important to you with the sudden innovation or the sudden entrance of AI into the higher education marketing space. Yeah, I guess I kind of alluded to it, interestingly enough, earlier when I was talking about the Amazon and FTC case, right? There's this, I have this feeling that we're not keeping up with the technologies that we're creating. And that's of concern to me, but I also see it as, I'm an optimist, so I see it as a great opportunity. And I know AI is like the hot thing right now. Everybody is talking about it because we should be talking about it. And in higher ed and in marketing specifically, I think the two main conversations going on right now are around academic integrity. You know, what are our students going to do with this technology? And then what should we do with this technology as marketers? How can we use this tool? And those are the two conversations that I see right now. I think there's a third conversation that needs to be happening. Actually, there's two more conversations that need to be happening that are not. One is how can we be thinking about tomorrow's courses and programs so that we can teach our students to be ready for these new technologies in their careers? I think that's a conversation that's just ramping up and really needs to be the central conversation. And then the other one, which is not specific to higher education and not specific to marketing, but is kind of at the societal level, is we have the technological ability to make these things, we can make artificial intelligence, we can make um, large language models, um, we can make algorithms for social media uh, platforms. But my question is, just because we can do something, should we be doing something? Or should we be doing it in a better way, in a way that causes less harm to teenagers and their mental health, that causes less uh, internet addiction and things of this nature? So there's a lot of really deep questions in there, but there's also really tactical questions and what I find really engaging and interesting. Yeah, and I want to kind of take a little bit about what you said a little bit about the Amazon and the FTC case. And I think that your point is well taken that, you know, I think some of our technology and some of the adoption of the technology is outpacing the ability for legislation, which I totally agree. But I'm also going to kind of post something that I wonder if you would, would react to. I had this conversation with a couple um, of my clients recently, and I said, I believe that the, the largest challenge in the next six months to three years for higher ed leaders is going to be change management. And it's going to be about either not understanding what's happening or not taking the time to understand it and making knee-jerk reactions. So, you know, I've got I've got the faculty that are very upset about academic integrity. That's all they're talking about. All my lens of, of artificial intelligence is about that. So we make a decision just to, we're going to just block chat GPT. I know some schools that have done that. That is a mistake. And so I, I think that sometimes even our leadership within or even ourselves if we don't understand something we're quick to just dismiss it and say well I really don't need to I don't need to figure that out because I'm not going to use that and I don't know if that's a choice that we're going to have in the next few years and so I'm just curious what do you think about that and how does that play out with this the ethics of using of digital and, and all of that I mean this is a this is these are some big questions it, it is a big question and I do agree with you I think change management is a really good lens 
through which to look at this and to kind of turn it around and say, okay, what are the pros? What are the cons? What are the things that we need to be doing as individuals, as consumers, as marketing professionals, as, as educators? I think for opportunities, actually, let me start by saying one of the things that people are nervous about is losing their job, right? That's definitely something that I have heard. Is this going to change work? Is this going to change my job? Am I going to lose my job? I think the answer is no, you're not going to lose your job, but yes, your job is going to change, but I think it's going to change in a good way. It's We're going to be able to shift people to more meaningful work. So at a tactical level in marketing, that could be less writing, more editing. That could be less content creation and more content crafting or curating or finalization, right? So we have new tools that can do some of that upfront work for us. But as of today, those tools are not perfect. And so we, the humans, are still extremely necessary for those processes. So if you're writing a blog post, if you're figuring out uh, your targeting strategy, however you might be using AI now, you are still an integral part of that. And, and your teams are probably still going to be an integral part of that. So that's question number one. Question number two is, what are the challenges? What are the things that we do need to be thinking about now and coming up with solutions for now? And I think some of those things that we should be thinking about now and looking down the road are attribution, consent, intellectual property, and transparency. Not necessarily in that order. I think some of them kind of flow into each other, but attribution, I think, is a big one for marketing, right? Just like we have to know who took a photo, who's in a photo, we're going to have to ask new questions about how do we make attribution for AI-generated work? Is this a tool like a PowerPoint, like PowerPoint is a tool, or is a BARD or a Jet, you know, Chat GPT, is it a creator? I don't know that we've really landed on an answer then. My gut tells me it's a tool and not a creator today. What that is in six months, six years is probably a totally different conversation. But so how do we deal with that now and start planning? Because we all know higher ed can move slow from time to time. How do we start thinking about that now? And back to your point about leadership and their tolerance for or appetite for these new things, it, it's really going to depend on leadership. Do they have the foresight to say, oh, you know what? We really do need to stop and take the time and do this work. We need to update our policies. We need to take a look at our um, how we're communicating to our teams about this. So I think th those are my, that's my reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those are really good points. And I think that those are things that I, I don't want people to lose in the in in the kind of the the torrent of what's going on with all the change with because we've got to slow down enough to think, and I think that that's where we can be you know get into trouble. I mean, I remember, I remember back. I'm going to sound like grandpa. I remember back in the day when the internet was getting started, and I was doing my first higher ed websites in the late '90s, and I would talk to schools, and they'd be like, "Oh, we don't need that. I mean, we don't have anybody that's going to surf." To, to go to our school. That's that's silly. No, thank you, Bart. We don't need a website. And I look now and I'm like, that is like the way we survive. I mean, that is the way that we do business. And I think that we're going to find the same types of things where I think it's very quick to dismiss something, one, because we don't understand it, or two, because it doesn't fit the way we've always done it. And I think those are two dangerous things that we got to, we've got to be ready for. And so I, I like that. And I, and I like the being able to kind of you know, recognize that there is this racing technology, there's slow moving rules, there's slow moving, you know, ways of adoption and change. 
but we still have to be ready for that. And I think as leaders, we've got to, as, as marketing leaders, sometimes we kind of uh, straddle that fence of technology and communications, and we've got to lean into that and help our, help our institutions in that. So as we talk about this, and you know, I think talking about this, and, and as you said, a lot of people are worried about their jobs. I think a lot of people are also worried about, you know, are we going to lose the essence of what we are, the soul of being educators and, and transformative you know, institutions? As we look at that, I mean, how does all that fit into this whole technology revolution that we've been in the middle of and we're just continuing to be in the middle of? It's kind of we're, we're immersed in it now. How does that play out? I want to go back to what you said earlier about change management. This is the technology is new. You know, this is a, a, a it is a point in time, a unique point in time, but change is not new. We've gone through these waves of change from a technology standpoint, and education has been there the whole time. We could have been having this conversation 20 years ago about students using the internet to cheat, right? Yeah. Like this is yeah, not, Google. <laughs> exactly. This is just the next iteration of that. And so I think, you know, you were saying it, it can be wrongheaded to think about it in, in that way. And I would extend that to, to what we've just been talking about now and that other big piece of the AI conversation, which is academic integrity. You know, thinking that, AI exists, students sometimes cheat, those two things are now inextricably linked, is bordering on hyperbole. I, I don't think that that's really the case. I think that it's the wrong way to look at the issue. Students are going to cheat. Well, let me take that back. Some students might cheat. Other students are never going to cheat. That doesn't mean they're the students that might cheat are definitely going to use artificial intelligence. And it doesn't mean the students that never cheat aren't going to use artificial intelligence. All of those things are possible altogether. I also teach. And so this was the first year that I had to put AI into my syllabus. I teach a class on digital ethics. And so it was not lost on myself or my class that we had to have a conversation about using AI for class assignments. But I think if your students can cheat in your class with the assignments that you're giving them now, that's your problem, not their problem. You're giving them the wrong assignments. So, right. So something that at Champlain College that we pride ourselves on is this applied learning, right? So where it's not like elementary school where you're learning the multiplication table and that's the thing that the output that you're looking for. So take, for example, project management. We have a new um, graduate certificate for project management coming out. We just put a new project management and software engineering degree on this past fall. Project management is chock full of things you have to memorize. So if we're giving students assignments that say, spit back to me, rote memorization, we have failed. What we need to be doing is saying, okay, you're going to take this time management skills in, in project management. You're going to go to work tomorrow and you're going to apply this. And then you're going to tell me about that experience. So we're not teaching people the rules of project management. We're doing that, but we're teaching them how to apply them, right? Do my, I'm behind timeline. Do I fast track or do I crash this? Like what, how do I deal with this specific situation? So you can't use chat GPT for that. Right. I love that. I think that's exactly right because I mean we've got to adapt to all of that and we have to adapt to the way that we're doing things. And I think that those are some really wise points you bring up, Sarah. Thank you. Sarah, we are getting to near the end of our episode. And before I ask you my customary last question, I want to make sure that there aren't any subjects or topics that we did not cover before moving on because I wouldn't want to keep 
that information away from our listeners. <laughs> well, thank you, Troy. You have another hour, I guess, right? <laughs> no. Preach um, on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would just like to underline one thing that we all kind of touched on, and that's just that as marketers in, in higher education, one of the things we can do is act as advisors, right? We can advise leadership. We can advise on, this is what I'm seeing coming down the road. Let's be ready for this. And I just want to go back and underline for everybody, think about programs and courses in the future. What are our future workers going to need four, six, eight years from now? That's a really tough thing to do, but we need to start thinking about that now so that we can not be like the FTC and be lagging behind what actually employers are going to be looking for. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you putting that exclamation point on all the things that we've talked about. Would like to ask that customary question we end every episode with, and that's if there's a piece of advice that you can give our listeners that could be easily implemented soon after hearing it that would move the needle for their organization. Yeah, thank you, Troy. I'm going to stick with AI on this one. Everybody, go back to your office, or if you're in your office now, pull up your browser and start experimenting with with an AI tool of your choice. I've used Dolly, I've used ChatGPT 3.5 and 4 and Bard. They all have different pros and cons, but if you're not already, please go do that because this is it's a wave and it's going to it's going to take you, you're either going to be surfing or you're going to be under the water. And more than that, start thinking about prompt engineering because the new coding language is now the English language. And so everybody has to be a prompt engineer to get it's like garbage in, garbage out. You get the best out of these tools based on the prompt that you put in. So think about your prompts as a recipe and make sure you have certain ingredients. What is the task that you're asking the tool to do? And what is the role you are asking it to, to do that in? So act as if you are a, a marketer in higher education. Give it that context that it needs. Give it the context it needs around your request. If you're asking it to write an outline for a blog post, tell it a title, tell it something about the industry or the program that you're looking for, and then define the output. Say, I want this many words written in AP style, written in an academic tone, written in a commercial tone. Give it the output that it's looking for, and then know that it's, it's only as good as the refinements that you then give the tool. So give, take that first answer, read it through, and then ask it for refinements. And you'll see that you get a much different result. Sarah, I very rarely ask for a, a second question, but I think as you went, I just love this conversation. And because Bart is very much into AI, I am somewhat much into AI, but I would imagine the important of that exercise that you just prescribed isn't the outcome or the final output that you come up with, but it's what you discover going through and learning how to interact and get better results, where a lot of us think that they should get the result from the first or second question or prompt that they put into it. If you could expand on your thought or on that, am I right or are we on the same page there? No, thank you for bringing that up, Troy. That's a, a good caveat. So what you get out of that final refinement is still not your final product, right? Going back to that changing world of work, you are now the human editor, right? We are not at the place where AI is done hallucinating and giving us false facts and all of this fun stuff that we're experiencing in the toddler years. We still need to be that human quality assurance that says, 
okay, I'm going to take this from where the tool can get me to where it needs to be. It's only going to get you a certain fraction of the way there. The human is still absolutely a necessity in that process as well. That is Sarah McMaster, Executive Director of Marketing and Enrollment Management at Champlain College Online. For those who would like to get more information from you or connect with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? I am not huge on social media, but I do love LinkedIn. So if you would like to continue the conversation with me, I am on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in Champlain College, we have a blog that has all kinds of articles. Bart, your final thoughts, please. Yeah, I, I at first I was going to say, let's just do mic drop and we're done. Because <laughs> I really like that last part that Sarah talked about with AI. But I just did want to point out a couple other things that kind of caught my attention during the conversation. I really liked one of the words that she used at the very, very beginning because it's something I talk a lot about is remover of friction. I think that so many times as higher ed marketers, that is one of the things that we can do, especially for prospective students, is if we think about... What are we looking at? And I think that she had a really good example there of even looking at your marketing and asking the questions or having your teenager look at it to try to make sure that you can understand it. Anything that we do that creates friction gives somebody the opportunity to just move on and just put down what we're doing and go find somebody else that makes it easier. There's way too much opportunities in the world for that to happen. And so I really liked that idea of removing friction in all of your work. I also like the fact of just using plain language. And I think that's one of the things that removes that friction is using that plain language and making it very easy for somebody. And then I just also think that just this a whole idea of just making sure that as we look at AI, I really like that that prompt that she outlined for the for you at the end. One thing that I might add, because I, I know that you know she does this a lot and sometimes people forget to do it, is you can also ask ChatGPT or any of these models, ask me questions that you need to give me the best result. And the idea that you then are creating a conversation with these cobots, I like to call them cobots and not robots. They're collaborative robots. So they're going to be your, your virtual assistant. You ask them questions just like you would anybody else that if you were assigning something to an intern or your assistant, you would say, hey, is there anything else you need to know about this? Do that with the prompts too, and I think you'll get better results. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a wonderful conversation. Troy, Bart, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you both for all the wonderful and useful content you provided our listeners today. And thanks to our producer, Rob Conlon at Westport Studio. The Higher Ed Marketer podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency. And by Ring Digital, providing direct mail for digital, accurately serving ads directly to the handheld and household devices of your prospects on your direct mail list. On behalf of Bart Kaler, my co-host and friend, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time. Oh, <laughs>